I, am, I have done this talk many times and to the point where I'm not always emotional, but this has been a hard week for me. I have cried with a friend who is struggling because of porn impacting her marriage. I got an email from or a text from another friend who leads a group of young men, and he disciples them, and, and they're good Christian guys, and he said porn is becoming a desperate problem for this group of young men, and he knows there's so many more like them, and he said, what can I do? How can you help me? Just this morning, I got an email from a mom who lives in Montana, and she said, I, I teach at a private Christian school with parents who are involved, and she said, our middle school and high school population is being just wrecked by pornography. Kids are accessing Pornhub and chat rooms on the app Discord, and she says, I don't know what to do about it. And um, that's, that's not even all that this week held for me. And so, yeah, sometimes it's heavy. But when I look out at this group of women, I have so much hope because I believe this is the place where a revolution can happen. We can make a difference that will ripple out into the world. And can you imagine the generational change that can happen because you all were brave enough to come to a 9.30 a.m. talk about pornography. Good job. I am so proud of you. I'm not kidding. I am. So often when I speak, the people I, that plan the events, they're so disappointed because not a lot of people show up. Because the reality is nobody really wants to talk about porn. Right? I didn't. <laughs> I'll be honest. I did not want to be the porn lady, which is what my... <laughs> That's what my friends call me. <laughs> Never in a million years. My husband has said to me on numerous occasions, he's like, did you ever think you would be the porn lady? I was like, no, <laughs> never, never. I grew up in a traditional Christian home. My parents did a wonderful job giving me a safe and beautiful childhood. And I wasn't exposed to pornography as a kid or even as a teen. And it really wasn't until I was an adult that I had to deal with the impact of pornography in my life. Um, and, and my parents were able to, because I was growing up a long time ago, I'm 46, um, they were able to say just a little bit about pornography and, and trust that I was going to be okay because pornography wasn't easy to access like it is now. But now, all of us have 24-7 access to endless amounts of pornography on the phone that we keep in our pocket, in our purse, next to our bed. And that means our kids do, means our husbands do, our boyfriends. We all do. And so we can't take the steps of, I'm not going to say very much and just trust that it's going to be okay. We have to do something different. And so that's what I'm inviting you in today. I'm inviting you in to take a stand and to do something different. And we're going to talk about some strategies and things that you can implement in your home, in your life, with your friends and family. But before we get to that, I want to share just a little bit about the world of pornography right now. Because a lot of us are like, oh yeah, I know. But 
Um, there's some things that you don't know. And I think when we're fighting a battle, we need to know the enemy that we're up against. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get to the practical stuff. I have a books to share for you, and I have um, a confession. I usually have a handout for you, and I thought I had it in my binder, but when I left yesterday morning, I was a little frazzled, um, as I'm sure some of you can relate to. I was speaking at a conference last weekend, and I thought I had my handouts in here, and I don't. So I'm going to say, if you'd like a handout, which is a, a great list of helpful books that you can read, podcasts to listen to, websites, you can email me at gretaeskridge.com, and... Um, you can email me through my website, or if you're on social media, you can send me a DM. I'm on Instagram. That's the only platform I'm on. But you can find me just by searching my name, Greta Eskridge, or my handle is Ma and Pa Modern, which is random. I know it's a long story, and I've never changed it. But you can find me there just by searching Greta Eskridge. Send me a DM. Say, hey, I was in your, your um, talk, and I'd love that handout. Or email me if you're not on social and say, I was in your talk, I'd love that handout, and I'll send it to you. Yes. E, you can't just figure it out. Um, E-S-K-R-I-D-G-E. Greta Eskridge. At Gmail. Or you can go through my website. That's GretaEskridge.com. Either way. You can find me. I'm findable. Um, so, pardon? One T. Okay, I'm never forgetting my handouts again because I made it so hard for you guys. I'm so sorry. G-R-E-T-A, Greta, Eskridge, E-S-K-R-I-D-G-E, at Gmail or through my website, GretaEskridge.com, or on Instagram. You can find me, tell me, I'll send you the stuff. So let's get started. Um, the first thing I want you to know is that... Um, the average age for first exposure to pornography is, according to the experts, 11. But a lot of experts are actually changing that to around the age of 8. Which is, um, yeah, it's horrific to imagine um, a kid that young being exposed to the devastating impacts of pornography. And um, research also shows us that about 75% of teenagers have viewed pornography by the age of 17. And this one I want you to really pay attention to is when we look at numbers for kids under the age of 18, we learn that 10 to 14-year-olds will make up 30%, 36% of minors who are consuming pornography. So in the age of 10 to 14, 36% of those minors are consuming porn. And kids under the age of 10 now account for 22% of online porn consumption, and that's in under the age of 18. And I know those are really difficult and uncomfortable facts to hear, but I share that with you because I want to light a fire in you to say something has to change. We have to do something different, and we have to do something better for our kids, for our families, for our future. And I know, like I said, this is an awkward and challenging topic, and I know some of you might even feel uncomfortable. And so I give you, um, again, I just am so glad you chose to be here. But I want you to understand, like, I totally get it that it's awkward and uncomfortable. So to break the ice a little bit, I'm going to share a story about myself. When I made, 
um, you know, an awkward move when it came to talking about this conversation. This happened a couple years ago when I had been writing and speaking on pornography and helping parents, but I had gotten to the point where all my DMs, my messages on Instagram or my emails were beyond what I could answer personally every time. I couldn't help all the people who had questions. So I was like, well, what can I do to give resources and help and information. So I thought, okay, well, the place that I interact with people the most is on Instagram. I'll create a highlight where I have links to all the books that I talk about and all the other helpful info that I've used and learned from over the years. If you're not on Instagram, what a highlight is is just simply this little round button that's on the top of my page, and um, I would put the links to all the stuff that I wanted people to look at right there. So um, I'm really not techie, so even just doing that was challenging for me, and I was pretty proud of myself when I was done. It took me a while, and I finally had everything there. And you have to title a highlight, or otherwise people don't know what they're looking at. So it was late at night, I finally finished, and I titled my highlight, Porn Resources, exclamation point. <laughs> and um, I went to bed. And the next morning I woke up to lots of messages from friends and strangers who said, Greta, we know what you mean by porn resources, exclamation point. But other people could be confused when they come to your page, and they're like, what is up with this lady? So I changed it to fight porn, exclamation point, and that is kind of where I'm going now. My hashtag is Greta Fights Porn, and um, yeah, it's a weird one, but it's true. That's what I'm doing. I am fighting porn, and um, I share that, like I said, because I want you to understand you'll probably say something wrong. You'll, you'll be awkward and fumble over your words, but it's okay. What really matters is that you keep going because we have to have the conversation. I also understand that while I can stand on the stage and laugh as I share that story with you because um, I can laugh at myself now, but I also know that pornography is a really difficult topic, um, not just awkward and, and sort of silly and something we can make jokes about, but it's also layered with a lot of things like shame and trauma and pain and anger and um, frustration. And if you are feeling those things today, I want you to know that you are not alone. I have felt so many of those myself. And so if the things that we talk about are difficult, I understand, and like I said, you're not the only one. I know there are other sisters in this room who feel some of the things that you're feeling. And if you personally or perhaps your spouse or your partner are engaging with, with pornography right now in your own life, and so you think, well, I'm out of this conversation. There's no way I can go in and talk to my kids or somebody else who needs help. I want to tell you that you're not out of the conversation Number one, there is healing and hope for you. And number two, um, there is nothing too big for God, right? My, one of my heroes is a woman named Corey Tenboom. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. I'm sure some of you have read it. If you haven't, add it to your to-be-read list. It has really nothing to do with pornography, but she's an incredible woman of God, Corey Tenboom. And this is what she said after she experienced time in a Nazi concentration camp. She said, there is no pit so deep 
that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And I say amen to that, even the pit of pornography. So wherever you are at in the spectrum, maybe you're a person who, whose life hasn't really been touched or you're a person who's, um, who's experienced pain or trauma or even walking through it right now, remember there is no pit so deep that God's love isn't deeper. He is with us in this conversation. He is with us in this fight. And that's what gives me the courage to stand up here. The first time I spoke on pornography in a public place, I was so nervous. I could barely say the word out loud. I felt so uncomfortable. But I kept going. And people will say, well, why? (laughs) Like, why is this your topic? And I always say, well, there are four reasons, and they are James, William, Lily, and Davy. Those are my four kids. My son James will be 19 tomorrow. My son William is 17. Lily is 15, and Davy is 12. And they're really the reason I started, because I wanted to, to offer them something better for their future. But then as I began to talk to more and more people, I realized that my reasons have grown exponentially. And I want to talk about this for all of your kids and your families and your marriages too because I care about all of them. And like I said, I believe the revolution starts here and the ripple effect that God can use to change lives. We have to offer an alternative to the darkness that Satan is throwing at all of us through pornography. And... um, I really believe that, that Satan is he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's doing through pornography. But remember, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And that includes in this part of our life even, in our sexuality, in our hope for a healthy sexual future. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And that's what I want for all of us here and for our families. A few more things to to talk about before we get to the practical stuff that I want you to be aware of because, it, like I said, we need to know the enemy we're facing. Um, porn is being consumed more now than at any other time in history, obviously because of the Internet and cell phones in <coughs> specifically. One in five searches on a mobile device are for pornography, and um, the Huffington Post recently reported that porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined every single month. So there are a lot of people consuming pornography, and we need to, to think, like, how is that impacting us? This is a really um, this incredible, incredibly sad statistic, um, but it's really important to know. There's an or a company called Pornhub, the largest creator and distri- distributor of pornography in the world, and It has over 50,000 searches per minute on their site with 81 million daily average visits. And it's estimated that one year of uploads from Pornhub could fill the memory of every smartphone on earth. There's a lot out there. It's a big battle. And really, the reason that matters is we have to understand that that's impacting the people who are consuming it on every level, their brain, their body, and their heart. I want to talk for a minute about the way pornography impacts the brain. There are a lot of people who will say to me, well, you just care about pornography because you're religious. And um, 
that is true. I am. I love Jesus. I'm not religious, but I love Jesus. And um, that is part of why I care. But also, you could talk to a, a person who has um, no interest in a relationship with God, and they'd be able to tell you that scientifically, medically, the facts prove pornography has a negative impact on the brain and the body. Here's an example. Um, Pornography, when it's used, it causes the brain to release a hit of the chemical dopamine. And dopamine is a feel-good chemical for your body and your brain. We need it. It's part of all of our lives. It's something good. But what happens is pornography hijacks that, that chemical, and the brain isn't satisfied the way it is with intimacy between a man and a woman, the way God designed sex to be. And so instead, it leaves the brain craving more and more pornography, which contributes to pornography being incredibly addictive. There are doctors who are saying pornography is as addictive as a drug like cocaine. And... Um, we need to know that because we can then say, yeah, porn isn't harmless. There are people who will try to tell you it's no big deal. Everybody does it. Calm down, Grandma Greta. Um, <laughs> but, but pornography isn't harmless. Medical research tells us it's not. Another way that pornography is not harmless is that a lot of pornography being produced now is, is really violent. And there was a, a study, a huge study released the end of last year by Common Sense Media. One of the things that they shared was that over 50% of teens have seen violent pornography that includes things like rape, choking, or someone in pain. Guys, if you are consuming violent porn, it's going to change the way you view your fellow humans. It turns people into objects that you can use and abuse for your own pleasure. Instead of seeing people as the beautiful creatures designed in God's image. Objectification is what pornography does. It turns people into objects. And that is the way pornography impacts our hearts. We have to recognize that that's what's happening so that we can say, stop, I don't, I don't want to participate in that. I don't want the people I love to participate in that. We are created in God's image, and human beings are worthy of respect and honor, and pornography is the exact opposite of that. Porn isn't harmless. So it's impacting the brains. It's impacting the hearts of the people who are consuming it. But it's even impacting the body of people who are consuming it. There is a physical impact that pornography has. And um, that is that there is a steady number of young men, healthy young men, 18, 20, 25, who are unable to achieve arousal. They're experiencing erectile dysfunction because their brains have been hijacked by consuming too much porn. They can't interact with a real-life partner. That, to me, shows not just that there's a physical impact of porn, but that there is a relational impact pornography has. It actually creates intimacy disorders. The person who's continually viewing porn can't have a relationship, not just with their partner, but it even impacts relationships with family and friends. It is definitely harmful. We cannot believe the idea that pornography is harmless. Matt Frad, who wrote a book called The Porn, Math, says, Porn Myth, says this. Few things in our society are more concerning than pornography. 
Research is just beginning to show how harmful it is. We know pornography plays a role in sex trafficking, child exploitation, and sexual violence. Pornography also affects the developing brains of youth and shapes, shapes the sexual template of our entire society. We are seeing unprecedented levels of sexual dysfunction in many young men, and experts are attributing the trend to high levels of porn consumption. This is the part I want you guys to pay special attention to. Listen to what he says. Yet many of us have been duped into believing pornography is healthy and normal. That is what is so alarming to me about our culture and pornography right now. Our culture is trying to normalize and minimize pornography, and that is not okay. They want us to think, oh, it's funny, it's a joke, it's on every TV show, we can laugh about it, everybody does it, it's no big deal. I'm going to give you two examples of the way culture is normalizing and minimizing pornography right now. In 2020, Kraft Mac and Cheese put out an ad, and... Who's the target audience of Kraft Mac and Cheese? Kids, right? I mean, some of you guys are eating the leftovers from the pan after you cook it. <laughs> but their primary audience is children, right? And so they set out this ad campaign, and they said, if you use our hashtag for this ad campaign, we'll send a free box of Kraft Mac and Cheese to whoever you tag in our social media posts. And the the hashtag that they wanted you to share was hashtag send nudes, and they spelled it N-O-O-D-S. So clever, so funny, right? No, it's not okay, because sending nudes under the age of 18 is actually considered child pornography. It is against the law. It's dangerous, and it was wildly inappropriate and and disgusting for them to make light of it and make it into an ad campaign. And I share that story and people are like, okay, again, calm down, Greta. Um, but, I, I, but I won't calm down because I think when we, when we create a world where we say things like that are a joke, we are normalizing and minimizing pornography. And there were plenty of people who were disgusted, but there were also plenty of people who weren't. I read the comments, and there were so many people who were like, ha ha, funny, hilarious, great, I love it, so clever. That cannot be our response to the world trying to tell us that pornography is no big deal. Here's another example, and this is from a book. This one's called A Student's Guide to Culture. Um, and if you want all the books and you miss them when I'm sharing them, I'm going to be out by the coffee shop down by the lake today from um, 3 to 4, no, 4 to 5, so right before dinner. And I'll sit there with my pile of porn books and you can come talk to me, okay? It'll be a great time. Um, but if you miss anything, I'll be available, okay? So this book, A Student's Guide to Culture, um, written by a friend of mine. His name is Brett Kunkel. And um, I want you to listen to this part from this book. Um, he asked a large group of students, ages like 13 to, to young adult, and he said, what would bother you more, A, looking at porn, or B, throwing your plastic water bottle into the trash instead of the recycling bin? The majority of students said it was more immoral to not recycle than it was to view porn. That comes from growing up in a society and a culture that says porn is no big deal. Because they've been taught since they were four or five years old that they have to recycle, that it's a big deal. And yes, recycle your water bottles. Buy a reusable one. That's great. But you know what? Viewing porn is far worse than not recycling. But no one's telling them that. Everyone is telling them 
here are the ways that you can change the world and save yourself and save your life and be a better person. But they're not saying don't view porn. They're just trying to make us think porn is no big deal. I recently gave a talk to about 200 teens from around the U.S., and it was fascinating to hear their comments. But one thing that struck me was they told me no one has ever talked to us about this before. Where are they getting all their information? From their friends and the Internet. No one is saying it's not okay. They also said, we didn't even know we didn't have to use porn. Everybody does it. We just thought that's what everyone does. Let us be the ones who stand up and say, no, you don't have to. There is something better for you. So what can we do? What can we do when we're faced with all of this that feels so heavy and overwhelming? I'm going to share five things that you can start implementing, like I said, in your home, in your family, with your kids, with your spouse, with your friend group. And um, there are things that will not porn-proof your kids or your family or your marriage. There's no such thing as that. There's just not... There's no porn-proof force field that we can put um, our loved ones into and expect that they will never encounter porn. But what we can do is we can give them the tools to respond as quickly and safely as possible, and we can also give them the knowledge that there is something better, an alternative, instead of just throwing our hands in the air and say, well, everyone does it. I guess this is just the way it is. So the first thing on the list is to be prepared. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to create a porn plan. I know, you love that name, right? Um, I'm great at names. We know that already. You don't have to call it a porn plan. You can change the name. But I call it that because I know you won't forget it. You do need a plan set in place for what to do if you encounter pornography. Your kids encounter it. Whatever, you need to have a plan. And I'm going to start with the littlest kids because you're like, well, how do I talk to my young kids, my grandkids, or my friends' kids if they'll allow me to about something like pornography? And it doesn't mean that you're giving them all the details. In fact, when they're young, starting around the age of five to eight, you're giving them the most minimal amount of information. And yes, I said five because you know what? Five-year-olds are on screens. They're around people who are on screens who could show them pornography or they could accidentally stumble on, upon it themselves. So they need a plan for what to do. Remember, we want them to react as quickly and safely as possible. So your conversation could be as simple as this. Hey, buddy, there's this thing called pornography and it's bad for your body and your brain and your heart. It's my job to keep you safe from it. It's pictures or movies of people who have no clothes on and are showing their privates. And we know privates are worthy of respect and honor. Our whole body is. And so we wouldn't share it with everyone. And so if you see a picture or a movie like that, here's what I want you to do. If you're on a computer, shut it. If you're on a phone, turn it over. If you accidentally see it on, when you're playing a game on a tablet, turn it off. If someone shows it to you, I want you to say, I don't want to look at that. And then walk away from them. And then come tell me or dad or some other adult that you trust. You won't be in trouble. It will be my job to help you. And that's all you have to say. It's so quick. It's actually easy, even though I know your stomach is churning at the thought of it. 
And if you feel like, oh, I just can't do it, though. It's too much. I couldn't have that conversation. There are a couple resources here that I have. This is called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. It's one of the only books on the market, market for talking to kids about pornography. Um, this is um, available online on Amazon. You could get it as soon as you get home and get service. Um, they have this book. It's for kids that are a little older. I recommend this for 10 to 12-year-olds. This is for like 5 to 10. So this is junior, the junior edition. This is for older kids. And I don't think you should just read it off the cuff to your kids. You should read it first yourself and decide which parts you're ready to share and then read it with them if you feel like you can't have the conversation on your own. Now, if your kids are older, you've got, you know, teens or middle schoolers, and you're like, oh, how do I, it's too late, I can't talk to them about it. You can, and you need to. And maybe your conversation with them goes something like this. Hey, you know what? I, I have not talked to you about pornography yet, and, and I need to. I'm sorry that I haven't done it yet, but we're going to have a conversation now. You may have already heard about it from your friends or at school. Maybe you've even looked at it yourself. But I want you to know what I know about pornography and how it's not good for you, for your body, your brain, or your heart. And I want to tell you what to do if you see it. And you give them the same options. Tell them what to do. Again, if you need help because you're like, oh, I can't have that conversation. It feels too much. This book is called How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography. Again, it's available online on Amazon. Um, and this book is fantastic. You can see I've used it, all the marks of these tabs. I've used it with my kids. Please do not hand this to your kid and say, here, you need to read this. Okay? I know it's tempting because you're like, I don't want to talk about it. But you need to. You need to be a part of the conversation with them. The great thing about this book is it's divided into very short chapters like this one, defining pornography. So if you're like, I don't even know how to tell my 14-year-old what pornography is, this will help you. You could read it aloud to them. You could have them read it on the, their own and come back to talk to you. There's a strong possibility you could read it to them and they will not say a word in reply. But that's okay because they're listening and they know you're available for the conversation. Um, also, all these books are linked in my porn resources exclamation point highlight on Instagram. I mean, fight porn. And you can find them there. So if you miss anything, that's another place. So there are resources out there. You have to give your kids a plan. How will they respond when they see pornography? Give them an exit strategy, even if they're older. Even if you have young adults. I still have this conversation with my 19-year-old son. We check in. We talk. We need to continue the conversation. And if you are a young adult yourself or you know some, a great resource for them is a website called Fight the New Drug. Fight the New Drug. It's a fantastic organization that really is working to create a community of young adults who are saying no to pornography. Either they're coming out of it or they're choosing not to engage with it. So it's a great place to start a conversation with a young adult or even with a a spouse, a friend who is struggling. They have fantastic videos, short ones. They have um, blogs you can read, articles. So Fight the New Drug is a great resource for the older, um, the older ones. And I just cannot say enough that you need to talk to the people in your life about this topic. And now that I've given you all these resources, you are prepared. Okay, you can do it. All right, number two on the list after be prepared is be informed. Be informed. 
you need to be aware of the voices that are speaking into the heads, hearts, and souls of your kids, of yourself, of your family, your friends, because we're, like I said, we're growing up in a, a pornified culture. Like, that's our world right now. And so if that is who's speaking into our heads and hearts, it's going to impact us and we'll start to believe about, you know, pornography that it's just normal and fine and we don't want that. So some questions to ask yourself specifically for those of you who have kids or kids in your life um, or actually even for us (laughs) because like what apps are you using and how are you using them, right? We know apps like Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok are full of porn and sexual predators who have easy access to the people who are using them. And kids and adults can fall for it. I have, I am constantly on my Instagram account getting messages, private messages that are links to porn accounts. And I just have to delete them right away. If, if you set your 13-year-old loose on a social media site and you haven't told them how to respond to know what to do, there's a really strong possibility they're going to click on one of those links and be exposed to so much that they should not see. So what apps are your kids or the people you love using? Um, Think also about the scrolling and scrolling that's happening on those apps and the time that is spent there for anyone who's using them to have their brain and heart just absorbing the messages that are there that are harmful and dangerous to our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Be informed about the apps the people you love are spending their time on and what they're doing there. Um, You need to be informed about video games. What video games are your kids playing? There are a lot of video games who have very sexual content, and if that's what's just being consumed hour after hour, day after day, that begins to impact the way you view other people. And soon you have a mindset that is turned on to objectification. Um, Also, what your kids are reading. And I know this when people are like, oh my gosh, even books? Yes, unfortunately, even books. And this is really specific to girls and women because erotic books are probably the number one gateway for girls and women to be exposed to pornography. And I just yesterday I got an, a message from somebody and she said, is, you know, a book, like when I'm reading a, a book that's erotic, like is it as bad as, and as bad for me as like looking at actual pictures? And yes, it is because God gave us amazing minds that can create pictures from what we read, right? And then what is the nature of pornography is it leaves us craving more. So if your kid goes to the library where unfortunately some people are putting out books just to captivate our young daughters or us to read, you need to be aware. We need to be informed about all the messages that are being poured into our hearts, our minds, our souls. So be informed. And and that means you need to talk to your kids about what they're consuming. Not just say, hey, I heard that was bad and you can't do it. You need to talk about why so that they, again, know that there's something better. Um, 
And, and I know like it feels like how, how do I have these conversations? But I think one of the best ways to do it is when situations come up organically. And then you think, okay, this is a good opportunity to talk to my kids. Something that happened to me recently was I got an email and the email said, Dear Mrs. Eskridge, we have installed um, software on your computer that has access to everything you've ever looked at online. We can see every video, every picture, every website you visited. We know that you love to look at pornography. And then it went on and it said a whole bunch of really awful stuff that I couldn't believe that I was reading. And I knew it was a scam. I knew it was fake, but still it was scary and it felt awful. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if my kids got that email? So it's not just if your kids are on social media. Your kids could be just have an email account. My kids aren't even on social media. They don't get social media until they're 18. But they could get an email like that because they all have email accounts. We have to inform ourselves. We also have to inform our kids. So I called my three big kids into the living room. My 12-year-old doesn't need to deal with this yet. He's still um, pretty young. Um, for this level of conversation. But I told the three big kids, I was like, hey, I need to talk to, some, to you guys about something. It's called sextortion. Have you ever heard of it? One of them had, the other two hadn't. And I explained what that email was that I got. I didn't read it to them. They don't need all the details, but they need to know what that is and what to do if they ever got an email like that. And they needed to know that <coughs> there are people that are trying to hurt them through pornography even to say, hey, send me pictures, and then turn around and say, oh, you sent those pictures, and I am going to have $500 for you. If you don't give me the money, then I'll share these pictures with the world. Would my kids know what to do? Would they know to come to me and tell me this is what happened? And then would they know that they're safe? Yes, they do, because I told them. We have to inform our kids, too. They have to be informed. We have to be informed. Um, have those conversations. All right, number three on the list. Be prepared, be informed. Number three, be compassionate. This one is so important because there might come a time when your child or a friend or a spouse comes to you and says, I've been looking at porn. What, am, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? If it's your kid, I cannot recommend to you enough that you hold them in your arms and you say, I'm so sorry. That is not what sex was meant to be. I want to help you. Because we have that opportunity to have our reaction not be anger and fear and frustration, but instead to show them God's love in a moment where they're scared and hurting. And that's a really powerful thing. This book uh, called Rethinking Sexuality by Dr. Julie Slatterty, she says this in her book, and it's so powerful. Listen, she says, people are looking for help. I'll hold this up so you can write it down if you want to. People are looking for help for their addictions and hope for their broken hearts. They want living water. If we run away or become judgmental or uncomfortable, anytime we see sexual pain, we will miss the greatest opportunity to enter the pain of their sexual brokenness and share the love of Jesus Christ. Man, that is powerful. And that's with our kids, that's with our friends, that's with our spouses, or with ourselves if we're brave enough to say this is a struggle in my life. 
we have the opportunity to be compassionate in a person's moment of great pain. And it's hard work, guys. It's hard work because we might be really disappointed or anger, angry or scared or frustrated. But if we can respond with compassion, people will be drawn to us in their moment of pain and we can share the love of Jesus Christ. This does not mean I am saying it's okay and you are giving them a pass for looking at pornography. That is not what I'm saying at all. But your initial response is one of compassion. And then you move on to, okay, this is not good for you. What changes do we need to put into place so that this isn't something you're consuming and that continues to harm you? So you move on to solutions and you move on to practical ways to get them help, but you start always with compassion. Be compassionate. All right, number four, be different. And I know it is hard to be different, especially in our culture, right? We don't always want to be different, or maybe we want to, but it's hard to. But here's something I want you to consider. The average age a kid in America gets a smartphone fully loaded with access to all the internet holds is 10 years old. That's the average age for a first smartphone. So I'm saying, why don't we push back from that and be different and say, no, 10 is too young. How about 13 or 15? My oldest got his first, I know it's hard, guys, it's hard. My oldest got his first phone like smartphone with access to the internet when he was 18. My young, my second got his at 17 because he's part of a, a program where he has to be able to be contacted so he can go out on search and rescue things for the city of Long Beach where we live, and he has to be accessible. Um, but you can push back. It doesn't have to be 10. It doesn't have to be 13. You can do something different. Another way you can be different is to give your kids uh, what I call a safe phone, not a smartphone. There are lots of companies that are creating phones that have the ability to text and call. And it's not like the texting in the old days where you had to go like, beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Oh. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. You know, it's like regular texting, but it's not connected to the internet. One company I work with is called Gab Phones, G-A-B-B, and they're fantastic. And they're a great way, because I know some of you need to be able to access your kids, right? You're like, they need a phone. I need to be able to get in touch with them, them with me. But you don't have to give them a smartphone. Give them a safe phone. And Gab is just one of them. I have access to more of those on my um, website or my Instagram um, some other ways you can consider being different than the world is waiting to give your kids social media. Research is showing us more and more and more that 13-year-olds, 10-year-olds, even 15-year-olds don't need social media. It's so bad for them. Wait. Maybe they don't even want it at all. There are some kids who are already figuring out they don't. My 17-year-old has zero interest in social media, and I say amen. Don't do it. It's fine. You might also consider making your home a place where you don't watch movies or TV shows or music videos where people are objectified. And if you're watching something where it happens, be brave enough as a parent to say, you know what, guys, this isn't okay. This person is being objectified, and, and we can't support that and turn it off. It's, it can be awkward, even with your own kids. It happened to us recently, but our kids called us out. We were, we were like, my husband and I were like, hey, let's show them some movie or some shows from when we were kids. So we picked Magnum P.I. 
I don't even remember Magnum P.I. except my, my mom thought that, that Tom Selleck was really handsome. And um, the, I remember the song. And within like the first like three minutes of the show, he's holding these two women who are snorkeling and all you see is their butts and pretty much no bathing suit. And, like, and he's looking at them like, who, yeah. And our kids were like, you guys watch this when you were kids? And we're like, uh... No, apparently, uh, I don't know what was wrong with our parents, but um, <laughs> we turned it off because it, it wasn't okay. Um, like, set a standard that this is the way you're going to be different. Um, another option for being different is when your kids' friends come over, make your house a place where kids play with each other instead of playing on screens. Like, make that the norm, that they don't have to be on video games to have fun. Um, they don't have to be, you know, sitting next to each other texting. They can actually sit next to each other and talk or play games. Like, let's get really old-fashioned. Like, bring out the cards. Bring out Monopoly. Like, play games and be with each other. You can be different. Um, another way we can be different is to show our kids and, and our um, families a different view of sex than the world is giving them. We need to show them that sex is designed and created by God. It's good. It's beautiful when it's in his framework. Pornography is not in his design. And I don't mean that you are taking part of the sex-positive movement that is happening in our world right now, which includes sexualizing children by showing them all kinds of sexual content that they have no, absolutely no reason to see. I do not support little kids going to drag shows or watching things that they shouldn't see simply because we want to have a sex-positive attitude. That's sexualizing children, and it's dangerous and it's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to normalize a pornographic view for your kids. Instead, what I'm saying is we say, God created something beautiful and good. Let's follow his plan, his design, and Walk in his ways because we know they're best. Be different. Okay, guys, we're going to go four or five minutes over. The meeting starts at 1030. It's 1016, but I have one more to share. If you are like, I got to get my seat, you can go. I won't, I won't care. If you want to stay, we've got one more. Number five, be connected. And this one is my favorite because remember I said earlier that pornography is a, causes relational issues? It's isolating. It isolates people from one another. So we need to cultivate connection in our families, in our friendships, our relationships with one another. Cultivate connection. What that looks like is you engage in deep and meaningful relationship with the people that you love and care about. You show them what real intimacy and real relationship looks like so that when they're exposed to the counterfeit, they can say, oh, that is not real. That is a lie. I'm not choosing that. But that means you have to be intentional. I wrote a book um, a few couple years ago. It came out in 2020. It's called Adventuring Together. I have a few copies for sale. Um, they'll be for sale tonight in the back of Ponderosa. Um, I was at a conference last weekend, and I sold almost all of them. But you can find them online. They're on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever. But this is all about cultivating connection with your family. And, and I love to do it through adventure because I think adventure is a great connecting tool. But it could also be, it doesn't mean you have to go camping or backpacking with your family. It could just be you schedule, you know, once a week 
coffee or donut dates with your kids. You choose to spend the day at the beach instead of everybody hanging out on their phones. You spend time together consistently and purposefully because those are the ways that we create relationship, real relationship, and it shows our families what that looks like. Um, Connection is really, I think, a fantastic tool to fight pornography. And I'm going to end and get you out of here in two minutes. I'm going to end with this passage. Well, you know what? Actually, I'm sorry. I thought of two more. Because I didn't share these a couple more books that I think are really important. I just realized, okay, this book, if you're choosing to to begin from the time your kids are little to cultivate a different attitude towards sex in your family, these two books are fantastic. They're great for the little ones. God made me in his image, and God made babies. These are great places for you to begin to cultivate a culture in your home that says we don't believe what the world says about sex, Okay. Another way you can do that with your older kids is this book, Chasing Love, written by Sean McDowell. And this is a book for teens, Sex, Love, and Relationships in a Confused Culture. I read this last year with my three teens, and it's a fantastic way to talk with your teens about a different view of sex and what the world is presenting. And instead, say, here's what God presents. And it's not preachy or moralistic. It's not purity culture. It is just what God designed, and God's design is beautiful. This is a great book for you to read yourself or to read with young adults or teens. Um, Last thing, and this is for those of us who are um, either dealing with sex in our dealing with, I hope we're dealing with sex in our marriage in a positive way, but you're dealing with porn in your marriage, um, or you have a friend who is, and they're dealing with the impact of that. This book is written by a friend of mine. Her name is Rosie McKinney. It's called Fight for Love. And Rosie found out on her honeymoon that her husband was addicted to pornography. And this um, shares a little bit of their story, but also so much helpful information for those of you who are dealing with it yourself in your marriage or know someone who is. I think all of us should read this book because we need to have a resource for a friend or a sister who comes to us and says, I'm hurting. And we're like, I don't know what to do. Well, with this book, you will. You can see I could not get enough out of it. I, it is so powerful. So this is the book I think Christian women, we need to, to read for ourselves and to share with others. Okay, now I'm going to close. Um, I want to close with this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Moses is speaking to the children of Israel as they are about to enter the promised land. And what he describes fits so perfectly with what we're facing today. This is what he says. This day I call the heavens and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is what we're facing, life and death, blessings and curses. And I am praying for every single one of you that you will choose life and blessing. Thank you for being here. I'm proud of you. Let's fight porn together. Thanks, guys.